Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. Dare to be Damien on the Talk Shoe Radio Broadcast Network in conjunction with the Sportscasters Mentoring Group. Well, I'm going to start off by, by doing someone a favor because they wanted me to bring this up first in one of my topics. So I'm going to address, uh, I guess, America's favorite Rudy story in terms of pro football is concerned. And that is one Timothy Tebow. It's over. Stop it. Go away. And by that, I mean stop trying to make him and his NFL dream happen. It's it's not going to happen as an NFL quarterback. I'm sorry. He was released this past weekend in the last round of cuts by the Philadelphia Eagles. He was released in the last training camp he was in in the New England Patriots. Not last season, but the season before last. Everybody keeps holding on to this one magical run he had with the with the Denver Broncos as if that was a, a sign of things to come. You know what's to come for Tebow? <laughs> being a politician, being a, a pastor, being a spokesperson. Heck, he could even do movies because the, the man's attractive dude, let's, let's face facts. But as far as being an NFL quarterback, that ship sailed. He can't even make a team as a third stringer. Now, you know what a third stringer is? A third stringer usually runs the scout team, the practice team during the week. Okay. I think actually he would be a decent scout team quarterback, but no one's knocking at his door to sign him. No one's knocking at his door to say, hey, we need you on this team. Now, his whole mythos in college football by the various YouTube clips and, and, and I guess people talking about how wonderful he was or is. Yes, we all know he's the guy you want to bring home if you're dating him to your parents because he's got that million-dollar smile, albeit some people have told me or feel that he's a tad hypocritical, that he's probably hiding behind some sort of monstrous secret (laughs) that if it came to light, a person I know would literally say, I told you so, because people I know have gone on record and said that they just can't stand Tim Tebow for whatever reason. Is he a media sensation? Yes. Is he contrived by, I want to say, the good old boy network, it seems, to be the their answer to the end-all, be-all? Possibly. But as an NFL quarterback, stop it. Just stop it. It's over. Okay? I mean, if you listen to Mike Golick's rant today on Mike and Mike in the morning, he don't hold no punches back when it comes to Tim Tebow. Now... Again, do I feel he he can play in the NFL? I think he can play, but not quarterback. You want him on your team? Yeah. Wouldn't you want him on your team? Someone who plays with fire, someone who plays with tenacity, who's going to take the job of NFL players seriously? Yeah. I'm sure someone, if he was willing to change positions, would be giving him a chance. I mean, Denard Robinson's doing it with Jacksonville. Denard Robinson, formerly of uh, the Michigan Wolverines. And there was countless others. I know Cordell Stewart did it back when, in my teenage years, when he went from a quarterback uh, in Colorado to being slashed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
you know, even Matt Jones, a former Arkansas quarterback, uh, tried his hand at being a wide receiver with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and unfortunately he flamed out uh, due to his own personal issues. So why won't Tim Tebow stop? Why won't he just read the writing on the wall and just make a position change? Because you know what? I honestly think he'd be a gr- he'd be a great addition to a team. Running back, fullback, special team, something. Hey, Tim Tebow wants to be the punter. By all means, if he wants to stay in the NFL, it's to get your foot in the door. Wouldn't it behoove him to change his position? If you were so desperate and so wanting to make it in the NFL, why wouldn't you just say, okay, quarterback's on the cards for me. Great. But I can try to be a fullback. I could try to be an H-back. I can try kickoff coverage. I know the New York Jets tried this with him when he first came in, but they screwed with him the minute he signed that contract. You know, they gave him all these false promises that he would overtake Sanchez. It just didn't happen. So by all accounts, he was screwed when that happened. Then he had a training camp to learn under Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Now, how much he was able to learn, I don't know. I wasn't there. But you get cut by Bill Belichick. Now you get cut by Chip Kelly, who supposedly is this offensive quarterback guru. Again, Dare to be Damien, Damien Gross' show, Talk Shoe Radio Network, in conjunction with Sportscasters Mentoring Group. He needs to just look at himself in the mirror and say, well, what's best for me? Do I keep this dying dream of trying to be an NFL quarterback alive? Wasn't he just working the past year with these quarterback gurus on improving his throwing motion to make it quicker, to make it easier for him to get the ball out? Look, there's been countless amounts of quarterbacks out there that just flamed out. Cordell Stewart, he didn't flame out. He actually did okay for himself. Denar Robinson's doing okay for himself. Vince Young hasn't even gotten a sniff, who I think is a way better college quarterback than Tim Tebow. And I mean overall quarterback, not leader, not ho-hum cheerleader, not rah-rah sis-boomba, no. Player. Player. Vince Young hasn't even sniffed the NFL in the last few years. So why Tim Tebow? And I'm not going to go to the obvious. Okay, yeah, he's handsome. Yeah, he has the million-dollar smile. But you know what? There's plenty of other handsome guys in the NFL. Tim, I know you're not listening, and I know you don't listen to your haters, But you know what? Do everybody a favor. If you want to make the NFL again, just give up on the quarterback thing for now. Just make it to the dance and then try to do what you can do to stay in the dance. And if maybe five years down the road from now, you finally get to start another NFL game, kudos to you for perseverance. But if you really want to make, and this goes out to anyone, if you really want to make that dream happen, whatever dream it may be, you should just try to do what you can to get in the door. I mean, look at me. I, I, I'm a, I am a broadcast intern slash apprentice, and I'll do whatever the hell I can to get in the door, to get into some sort of broad, paid broadcasting position. You know, if I got to be one-stop shopping, I'm willing to do that. Why is Tim Tebow being so stubborn? I don't understand. And then, and then he has this fan base, which is, more, which is more zealot than anything else. I mean, the way people talk about him, you would think he's the new Chuck Norris with all the internet memes. Tim Tebow can cure cancer. Tim Tebow can walk on water. Tim Tebow can save the world from impending doom if a meteor was to strike. I mean, am I being too hard on Tim Tebow? Maybe. But tell me what you guys think. I mean, honestly, is is the dream dead for him? Should it be dead? Is he just not good enough? Does he not have what it takes? Should he just go back to calling college football games and providing analysis? Because I think he's really great at that job. 
347 That's 347-792-8687. Damien underscore Gracia, hotmail.com. Let me know what you think. I'm always up to hearing the criticism and the critiques and the questions. Coming up next, speaking of college football, I'm not a fan, but I'm willing to give it a chance. Find out why. Dare to be Damien, Talk Show Radio Network. Dare to be Damien Show, Talk Show Radio Network in conjunction with the Sportscasters Mentoring Group. Before the break, I referenced college football and why I don't care, but I'm willing to be convinced as to why I should care. And, and, and don't attack me, folks. Don't beat me up saying, oh, you know nothing about college football. You know what? To be honest with you, I live in the Northeast. I've lived here my whole life. I haven't really had much of a connection to college football with the exception of maybe Notre Dame football growing up because that was the only... I guess that was the only team I could watch on Channel 4 growing up, a regular channel, 247911 and so forth in New York City. I went to a small college, I think of Division Three school, Pace University, so I really wasn't invested in that college football team, even though I knew a handful of football players during that time. But again, I live in a major municipal area. What college football teams am I going to root for? Syracuse? That's all the way up Syracuse, New York. I, college basketball, yeah, I'd I, I root for Syracuse back in the day in St. John's, things in the Big East. But in New York City, do we really have any football teams to go for as far as collegiate is concerned? I don't think so. Again, I spent most of my youth when I watched college football watching Notre Dame. You know, Rick Meyer, Lou Holtz. I mean, yeah, the ghost of Joe Montana, but I wasn't alive for that. Um, I really, no, I, I don't have, I mean, the most fun in college football I've ever had was playing NCAA football for the PlayStation 2. Honestly, building your own quote-unquote dynasty or, or taking over a school or even creating your own school, that was more fun than, let's say, I, I guess, picking Florida State. Um, that was actually one of my favorite teams also growing up with Charlie Ward, uh, Peter Warwick, because I like the battle cry, and I'm not going to do it because I sound horrible saying it. But that's what I that's why I liked about college football. I mean, if you if there's a draw for me, I guess you could say like the rivalries or something I'd be interested in seeing. Again, in the Northeast, what do we have? Army Navy? That's all we got. Um I'm interested in the USC Notre Dame, even though I don't uh, again, two opposing coasts, you know, the Midwest versus the West Coast. But what do we have like that over here? I mean, what Buffalo? Eh, like I said, Army, Navy, <laughs> or is this something more? Now, I- I've talked to a few people who love college football. One of my friends, one of my college friends is a very devout <laughs> Michigan Wolverine fan. You know, uh, go, he's all gold blue all day, every day. So I will pick his brain on, on the reverence of college football and why he loves it so much. And he just describes it in these magical terms that I really wish I had a connection with. You know, pageant, he uses words like pageantry, uses words camaraderie, team team concept. I guess it stands to reason also he is a football coach, so he has that connection. Me as a layperson, I've been told I have to experience tailgating at a college football event. Uh, Apparently, it's better than Sunday tailgates. But that doesn't bode well for the actual sport. I mean, I watch bowl games, but only ones of interest. A few years back, Notre Dame was in the national championship game, and they got blitzed by Alabama uh, during the whole Manti Teo nonsense. I watched maybe one quarter. Uh, When Boise State, you know, whenever those, like, third, I don't want to say third tier, but uh, 
I, I guess the Boise States, the Utahs, those underdogs in bowl games that can shock and surprise even the, the, the heavy hitters, as it were. That's something to get invested about. But there's nothing... I don't know. What am I missing? I, I wish... I want people to tell me. Again, you can reach me at Damien underscore Grassi at Hotmail.com. Please let me know what I'm missing in, term, uh, in terms of college football. Is it because there's no, they're not being paid? Is it because they're not as prima donna-ish perceived-wise in terms like the NFL? Is it just because it's about the jersey and not the player? You know, the school representing the school's colors? Or on the other hand, someone has told me it's just a reason for people who, who graduated to, to relive their youth, you know, to fill those stands and to, to, to root for a team that they, that they, the college they went to 40 years ago. It's sort of like, um, what was that movie with James Vanderbeek? Uh, Varsity Blues. <laughs> it was Varsity Blues uh, where he was a small town uh, Texas quarterback. And the reverence in which all the people showed up in droves on Friday nights to watch these games or like Friday Night Lights. Like, is that just something It depends on where you live? Um, I, I remember reading Colin Cowherd's book. Uh, I forget the title. I'm sorry. Um, where he was referencing college football and in these small towns that that's their Super Bowl. That's their Stanley Cup final, as it were, where everything and every energy and every ounce of iota of energy is put in that town, into that town's football team, be it high school, college, or otherwise. Uh, maybe it's because I live in a major market. I don't know. But is that what it is? Is that because a person lives, depending on where they live, determines the connectivity they have to a team, sort of like how we, as sports fans, go for our hometown teams? I don't know. If anyone out there has played college sports, just let me know. Damien underscore Gracia, hotmail.com. 347-792-8687 is the number. Again, you're listening to Dare to be Damien on the Talk Show Radio Network, in part brought to you by, in part by the Broadcasters Mentoring Group. So I'm going to transition off of this because I'm actually dumbfounded talking about this because I don't know what else to say in terms of just, I don't get it. I don't get the, I don't get the connection. But speaking of connections, there seems to be a misconnection between Matt Harvey and the New York Mets. I'll tell you why. Coming up next, Dare to be Damien, Talk Shoe Radio Network. Dare to be Damien on the Talk Shoe Radio Network in conjunction with the Sportscasters Mentoring Group. Before the break, I referenced disconnects between Matt Harvey and the New York Mets. Well, the New York Mets' worst fear in terms of their young guns are coming to fruition. In case you missed it over the weekend, apparently there's been some hullabaloo between Matt Harvey of the New York Mets, starting pitcher of the New York Mets, his agent, Scott Boris, a.k.a. the Avenging Agent, and the, to- the team, the New York Mets, as they strive and delve into the playoff race. Now, as of this recording, the Mets are currently four games up in the National League East on the Washington Nationals. So the worry here is, is that this is the first year back from Tommy John surgery for Matt Harvey. For, for those at home who don't know what Tommy John is, it's essentially an elbow ligament replacement surgery that some professional athletes, mostly pitchers, uh, some NFL quarterbacks go through. Uh, they basically take a ligament and repair an um, elbow tendon because, you know, when pitchers throw the ball, they have like this downward torque on their elbow and it can literally slap your, snap your elbow in half. Uh, so it's basically done to repair the elbow and to heal the ligaments and things like that. It requires an, a substantial amount of rest and rehab, uh, about maybe one year, uh, one year's time of rest and rehab uh, to get back to, I guess, being able to throw 
in general. So the problem here is, is that the Mets apparently had an innings cap at the beginning of the season uh, for Matt Harvey. I believe it was 180, 180 innings pitched uh, for him to hit that number and then he'd be shut down uh, for the rest of the season uh, just because it's the first year back. And by innings cap, it means this is how many starts you have. No matter how many starts you get, you get up to 180 innings, we're shutting you down. Now, apparently this was talked about prior to the season between all the parties involved, but as the Mets gear up for the playoff chase, the more you talk to Sandy Alderson, uh, the Mets general manager, and Terry Collins, the Mets manager, the more it seems that they're just going to say, to hell with this innings cap, we're going for the playoffs, and that's that. Now, over the weekend, Harvey seemed a little sheepish about management's, I guess, portraying his own willingness to go past that cap, especially if it was bargained for or at least talked about amongst all the parties. So now it seems like he's flip-flopped. I, I remember reading a couple of articles over the weekend where, yes, he sounded sheepish about going over this innings cap, but at the same token, he's portrayed himself, and people who don't know his, his nickname, he's called the Dark Knight of New York, which I don't really, as a superhero fan, and as a... um. As a comic book person, I don't really understand why we call him the Dark Knight, but whatever. Uh, apparently, he's got this tough guy, give me the ball, I'm going to go and do what I got to do, bulldog mentality. But his recent, I guess, like I said, comments or just sheepishness about the topic has led people to believe he's a bit of a t- fake tough guy. Where in one minute, he's going to portray himself as this barrel-chested, I got this, all-American guy. But now when it comes to put up or shut up, you know, he's saying, well, we, the doctors did say I should not have to pitch over this much for my own long term health. But then again, he's letting his agent talk through him now by letting his agent talk through him. It's sort of like, OK, I'm the puppeteer and my agent's the puppet and I'm giving him lines to put out into the media. But I'm not really saying it because that's my agent. That's not me. Now, if this is what he's really doing. He's really using his agent or whatever to, to, to get that message out. That's some BS, man. That's nonsense. You talk all this game that you want to be a leader, that you want to pitch your team to the playoffs. That's great. That's what people are going to admire. But then you're going to backtrack and say, well, I don't know when it came to put up or shut up time. So it becomes a matter of pride versus paycheck. And by that, I mean his next big paycheck. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, forgive me, but I believe he's due to be a free agent in about two to three years. And if you don't know who Scott Boris is, his agent is known for getting his his clients the max dollar amount. If you follow the NFL, you know who Drew Rosenhaus is. Scott Boris is the same way. He pretty much is, is just like, pay my clients or they walk because somebody's going to pay them. Probably do because the MLB doesn't have a salary cap. Again, you're listening to Dare to Be Damon on the Talk Show Radio Network in conjunction with the Sportscasters Mentoring Group. So that's what this is. Resting your arm, because let's face it, pitchers are more like sidewinders and, and, and shooters in terms of all these Wild West. There's only so many bullets they have in the gun because an arm or shoulder can be damaged at any point. So I understand that he's trying to save the bullets in his gun, so to speak, for a higher payday. Because guarantee you, the way the way contracts are now, he's going to get his $27 million a year. I, I don't think it's going to be from the Mets, if I'm being honest. I mean, there's going to be cheaper alternatives out there. But if that's what he's doing, 
then at least man up and just say, hey, I'll pitch in October because I want to win because that's what a professional athlete's supposed to do. Not even supposed to say, supposed to do. But don't backtrack. Don't double talk. Don't flip-flop. Don't be all, well, I don't know. No, stop it. No. Shut up. Pitch in October. Help your team win. Because that's the whole point of you being a professional athlete. If you're worried about your arm or you're worried about your paycheck, cool. Don't they have insurance policies for things like this? You're going to get your seven years from someone, Matt. It's going to happen. Someone dumb is going to give you a seven-year contract, even though who knows if you're going to be relatively healthy by the time you hit free agency. But someone's going to be dumb enough to give you the money. So it's okay, Matt. You're going to get your money somehow, some way. But don't talk through Boris. Don't flip-flop like a pancake. Just pitch. Go out there every fifth day. Do what you've been doing. Shut up and just go. Because if it was me, I guarantee you, and I was doing this, I'd be lambasted. But because he's some sort of icon with the New York Mets, and again, self-disclosure, I'm a New York Met fan. But I'm already tired of it. I'm already tired of him. I can't. If he's going to be do this petulant child routine, you don't have to stay here, Matt. It's fine. Sorry, uh, I digressed there a little bit, guys. But it's just so frustrating. And, and speaking of New York Mets, when we come back, the ghost of Mets past is starting to rear its ugly head. And I think you know why. But is it time to panic? I'll tell you why and why not. Dare to be Damien, Talk Show Radio Network. Dare to be Damien on the Talk Show Radio Network in conjunction with the Sportscasters Mentoring Group. Last segment, I talked about the New York Mets and their contentiousness with Matt Harvey. And now I talk about more contention. And by contention, I mean contentiousness and worry. Again, I noted earlier in an earlier segment that the Mets had a four-game lead up on the Washington Nationals going into an important three-game series. And I stress the word important three-game series against the second-place Washington Nationals tonight. Ah. <sighs> Here we go again, Met fans. If anyone remembers back in 2007 and 2008, the Mets actually have a tendency of, I don't want to use the choke word, but giving up division leads or wildcard leads in the month of September. Back in 2007, choking a seven-game lead with 17 to play against the Philadelphia Phillies, that of the infamous Tom Glavin, the Tom Glavin game of 07, where he got shellacked for giving up seven runs, I believe, in the first two innings, thusly killing the Mets season. And then in 2008, on the last day of the regular season, with a chance to actually go to either a wild card playoff or the actual NLDS itself, they lost to the Marlins 4-2 in the closing of Shea Stadium, which afterwards, Met fans were forced to actually endure a closing ceremony of the stadium coming off of that disheartening loss. Now, I don't know who in the PR department did that, but don't you got to think if the Mets lost, they should have had a contingency plan if the Mets lost to say, oh, yeah, the fan base is kind of depressed right now, but let's have a goodbye ceremony anyway. That'll cheer them up. Yeah, that didn't work out too well. If you look it up on YouTube, look it up on the internet, you see Tom Seaver, you see Mike Piazza, four Mets greats, closing the doors on Chase Stadium with such a solemn mood and almost as if it was at a mass funeral. That's what it looked like if you go back and watch the ceremony. But I digress. The Mets look like they're on the way to possibly doing that again. Now, these next three games are going to show how much mental and physical fortitude the Mets as a team have. Four games up. We're just in September. 
Anything can happen, yes. But I guarantee you there's a bunch of Met fans out there that are freaking out, that are on the ledge, as always, ready to pronounce them dead on arrival, stick up for walking them, they're done. And I and I can pretty much make this guarantee as a Met fan. If the Mets drop two or three, <laughs> you could just picture all the sports talk shows, all the phone calls, everyone saying Terry Collins should go, Sandy Allison needs to go, everybody's a bum. That's exactly what's going to happen because Met fans are prone to hyperbole on the negative aspect. They don't really go into hyperbole that I've noticed a lot of Yankee fans do in terms of like positivity. Met fans just they, they just jump right into that negative boat and they swim there and they stay there. They're almost waiting for it to happen. It's almost like that Family Guy skit uh, a few years back where they they show uh, Stewie Griffin in the in the in the stands at a Mets game for the first game of the season. So it's like oh first pitch crick home run and the season's over. That's pretty much how Met fans view the playoffs or potentially this potential playoff race. Now, don't get me wrong. There's not many people here. I, I'm By people, I mean there's not many players on the team now that were there in 2007, 2008, Sands, David Wright, and maybe one or two others. But, man, it's looking a little creepy right now. They dropped two or three to the Florida Marlins in walk-off fashion. That, that bullpen, that bullpen's overworked. They got no one reliable other than Familia in the bullpen. The pitching staff is pitching great. The starting pitching staff, I should say, is doing their job. But it seems as if like the Carlos Torreses, the Erico Flaherty's who they just got, the bullpen's taxed. They're drained. And how many of these, how many of these players are nervous? They're not ready for prime time kind of thing. That's possible. We're all human. But as a Met fan, do you care? Do you care that some of these players are nervous and they've never been here before? How important do you rate this this, this next three-game series? Again, this is a three-game series with Washington, and then towards the end of the season, I believe it's the last three games, they're going to play again. But if they drop two or three or, or even sweat, Met fans, are you going to be jumping out the window? Are you going to be so scared that you just give up your fandom? I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Again, Met fan, I'm not worried. Do I believe? No, I'm a believe it when I see it kind of guy. That's always been my mentality. But it's getting to the point where in our own way as Met fans, they're like the Cubs. They're not even lovable losers anymore. It's more, it's expectant. It's, you know you're counting down to doomsday. But I, I could be wrong. They could sweep the Nationals right now. And, and then everything will be all hunky-dory. Uh, again, uh, Damien Gracia for the Dare to Be Damien show, uh, Talk talk shoe radio network. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can hear my voice. I'm exacerbated. I I don't know what to do with the Mets anymore. I'm sort of one of those in the closet Met fans where when I meet people and I'm saying, "Yeah, I'm a Met fan." I don't really sound all that excited. But then again, what have they given their own fan base to be excited about? This is the first time in about nine years, where eight years, where the fan base is relatively not tepid, or or just more apt to root for the team good young pitching staff i've documented this in previous episodes professional hitters that are now in the lineup great but there's one thing that's missing and i think i just harped on it i think it just hit me that fortitude that battle-tested mentality where it's like we're gonna get this done no matter what and i want to see that that's what i want to see not even as a broadcaster that's what i want to see as a fan i want to see this team get up from being knocked down from taking it on the chin as it were and showing us something. 
showing that they're not the team of 2007 and 2008, showing that they can do this without having to, to, to just go to pieces when the going gets tough. And I don't want to get on my cliche bandwagon, but it seems like that's what they need. They need a chin check. The Mets need a chin check. They've been knocked on the chin by the Florida Marlins, and yeah, they've always been pesky. But now's the time, guys. Now's the time to show what you're made of. Take two or three from the Washington Nationals. Put some distance. Put your foot on their throat and finish them off before they catch you like the Philadelphia Phillies. It's almost like smelling smelling blood in the water as a shark. The Nats, the Nats smell it. They've won five straight. The boys and queens need to shape up or ship out. Guys, thanks for listening for this episode of Dare to be Damien on the Talk Show Radio Network in conjunction with the Sportscasters Mentoring Group. I'm your aforementioned host, Damien Gracia. You can always reach me at Damien underscore Gracia at Hotmail.com at 347-792-8687. Leave me feedback, comments, everything of that nature, and I'll see you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.